0: Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I'm a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Come take this journey with me. Excuses are over, it's time to live. Our best ideas never come from sitting in front of a computer or an iPhone. They come when we're inspired. And that's why I think it's so important to have your surroundings support you. Because I put myself in an environment of people that are so successful, I can't help but compare myself to their level of success. And as a guy, that often comes down to money. I think most people prioritize things that make them money over things that make them happy. And now I'm prioritizing things that are making me happy. And being in 70 degrees sunny at the beach is going to make me happy, happy, happy. Okay, before we jump into this interview, I want to invite you to be considered for my 2019 traveling mastermind. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com and fill out the application, and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a great. Fit. This year we'll be in Boston doing lots of cool things like training with Tom Brady's trainer Alex Guerrero. In the middle of the year, we'll be heading to Monaco doing things like vintage car rides through the French Riviera. And then we're going to wrap the year in Florence, Italy, doing things like truffle hunting and hot air ballooning over Florence. Look, Life is all about fulfillment, and I really try and walk the walk. So if you are looking to be part of our tribe of 28 high-achieving entrepreneurs that are in the six- and seven-figure range, fill out your application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com to be considered. So think of the mastermind as having two parts. The first is the trip itself. And the second part is what goes on over the four days within the mastermind. Our group of 28 entrepreneurs will help you brainstorm and accelerate what you want to achieve in 2019. And we'll do that through a variety of different exercises, brainstorming activities, breakout sessions, goal setting sessions, you know the drill. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Murgatroyd, and welcome to a very special work hard, play hard episode. This episode features me being interviewed by Lori Harder. You can find her on Instagram and elsewhere at Lori Harder. All right, so Lori interviewed me last week And I have received so many comments and direct messages, really more than any episode I've ever done. And I thought that I would share this episode with you. So I'm not entirely sure why this episode had the reaction that it did, but I have a hunch. I talked a lot about my childhood and some of the emotional scars that I still battle as a 52-year-old male. And I think there are a lot of people who find themselves in similar shoes. We also covered my recent leap from being a full-time chiropractor to transitioning into doing what I've always wanted to do. And I think there are a lot of people who get really comfortable with their jobs and their income, and they're afraid to let both of them go. Plus, we discussed a ton more things that I think you can apply to your life. And, you know, Lori is someone that I deeply respect and I have a great connection with. And I think that that chemistry, for lack of a better word, shines through in this episode. So be sure to take a screenshot, share it on the socials, and remember to tag me and Lori Harder. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation I had with Lori Harder.
1: Rob, I'm so excited to have you sitting in front of me on the podcast. I mean, technically, you're not really. You're on Zoom, but...
0: Well, I am virtually sitting in front of you. Virtually
1: sitting in front of me. But you yeah. know what? You have this amazing setup and microphone, which we have now tweaked to make it sound amazing well, my, on my end too, that it sounds like we're sitting next to each other.
0: Let me tell you. I mean, like this was like Abbey Road. I feel like we're in London at the Beatles. You know, in Abbey Road Studios in the Beatles. We've hopefully this audio is perfect.
1: <laughs> this audio is perfection right now. And from someone who I can maybe say, would you categorize yourself as a semi-perfectionist?
0: Um. Yeah. Or yeah, like a
1: like a one hundred percent yes perfectionist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I am a perfectionist. In fact, I'm sitting here a little uncomfortable. You know why? Why? Because my four year old last night started to cry because she wanted to paint my toenails. So I have red painted toenails right now. And I'm, I'm going to show you. And I'm feeling really, really <laughs> uncomfortable. So I got to let this out. So hold on.
1: Has she? Let's see. You guys, they are in fact red. And I can tell that she might have a future in painting. <laughs> so she did a good job.
0: Uh, I'm glad I got that out. Okay. So that's can-
1: Sophia. How old is Sophia now?
0: Sophia is four years old.
1: Okay. And I wanna I wanna talk about this too. And I I rarely ever like ever talk about age. But number one, you look like you don't age. Um, maybe that's because you have great hair. For those of you who don't know, go look them up on Instagram right now. I literally am still trying to solve the mystery of the great hair. But you had Sophia when you were old?
0: Uh well, I am 52 years old now, so 48.
1: I love that because you know what? Yeah. There are so, you know what? Question I get asked all the time is, mm-hmm. do people talk to you all the time about not having children yet? And how do you deal with it? Because there, there's so many women now, right? And so many couples who kind of want to do business for a while first, but they're getting a lot of pressure from people to have children earlier on. But I think a lot of those people, and they're letting me know, like a lot of them are from, you know, Midwest or middle of the country or things like that. But Having children later, what do you think is the benefit to maybe maybe a pro and a con
0: well you know here's the easiest way to answer this because I have two I have a twenty year old daughter and a four year old daughter so i 've got the perspective of having the contrast between both yeah. and if i 'm completely honest with you, I did not see what I should have seen with my older daughter mm-hmm. much younger. So for example, I remember there was a time where Kim's, my wife said to me, uh, Demi was a teenager. She said, you know, she's smoking pot, right? Mm. And I said, she's, Kim, you're just being hard on it. She's like, no, she's smoking pot. Couldn't take it anymore. And I said, you know what? We're going to check it out. I had one of those days mm-hmm. and uh, we went to Walmart and we got a little test kit and Kim went in the bathroom. She peed in the cup and it came back positive for THC. And it was in that moment where i knew that i had daddy blinders on Mm. that all i saw were these little pigtails and i couldn't see anything else so to answer your question with my four-year-olds i still see the pigtails but i am very well aware that those teenage years are coming
1: Mm. how do you feel about that uh prepared oh i love that answer and why do you think you feel prepared
0: because I've already been through it, and I've made the yeah. mistakes, and I can see where you know it's kind of like if you've ever built a house, you know the second one is always better than the first one, yeah and i, <laughs> I just I just feel like I have a better handle on um the b s the truth um and you know when she's telling a story, when she's not telling a story and and my bias as a dad because it's very easy, you know same sex parents. Um, or where the you know the head comes in, fathers and sons and daughters and and uh, and moms, but you have the opposite that happens with opposite sex parents you know you tend to coddle them, so um, in this particular case i 'm not going to let that happen because the coddling comes natural, but i 've realized that my job is to not be her friend,
1: mm.
0: my job is to be her parents and to raise her, not be her friend, and I confuse that with the first child.
1: Mm. Why do you think you confuse that with the first child? This is coming from someone who does not have kids yet. So I'm super curious because you just wanted to be cool dad or you want to be their friend or you think that maybe that... Is it opposite of how you were parented?
0: All of the above, but mostly the last one that you just mentioned. I, um, I had a really difficult upbringing. And so I did not want that for my kid. So... For me, it was about how big can I get the house? How great can I make the car? Mm. How, you know, like for her, I don't know, seventh or eighth birthday, I got her like, you know, a stretch limo out with her friends. I was like, Mm. and it was a lot of it was me trying to overdo what I didn't get done. Mm. Um, And in many ways, it's very easy to create a Paris Hilton if you're not careful.
1: Mm. What do you think shaped you, Rob? Like, what are some defining moments in your life that you look back and you know how you can kind of look at your lifeline growing up and you have like these markers that stand out? What are like, let's just grab two of them that you feel like really shaped the way that you think right now?
0: Uh, From a child to an adult, you mean?
1: Yeah, let's just say zero to 18.
0: I was raised by an alcoholic dad. Uh Used physically a lot when I was a kid. Um, Me and my two other brothers lived in um, effectively tenement housing, uh, housing in uh, in Queens in New York. Mm -hmm. All three of us were in a bedroom. Um, You know, like our bicycles were hanging on the wall. Wow. Uh, We had no space. Um, My parents were constantly fighting and arguing, and all I wanted to do was to get out of that situation. So there wasn't a per se, a defining moment. But there was it, there was an environment that I just needed to be out of. Mm. So I sought... Uh, I s- seeked... I don't know what the word is there. Um, sought refuge in um, personal development. And mm. so I did my first Tony Robbins event in 1984. Wow. Um, and um, from that time, I just dove in to do everything that I could to get out of that environment. I would say that that was the single most defining moment of my child of my childhood not not moment but time in my life it just kept getting worse and worse and worse
1: okay two questions from that what did the rob of after being at tony robbins um you know in in seeing now the the place maybe you wanted to go or that maybe you had some tools but your reality not yet matching up like how long did you still have to be at home while you now understood that there might be a way
0: out such a great question i um probably spent uh four more years from the time that i did my first tony robbins seminar in the house and there was a lot of putting on um the uh, I'll date myself here, the Sony Walkman um, headphones with the cassette tape, yep. uh, sort of like under the blanket listening to it or mm-hmm. reading a big giant within um, while there was a drunk dad and, and fighting and abuse all around me. And so I just dug in deeper being in that environment.
1: Okay, so people are in that environment right now, whether it's you know an abusive relationship or a non supportive relationship, like they are in an environment that does not match where they now start to feel they want to go or the person that they know that they are, and they might just like you have you know two years or four years or six more years of that. So what would you say to that person? I know you said immerse yourself, but what else do you think that that looks like now for someone who's who you were stuck in that environment, but ready for change, but has about four years left, whether it's at the corporate job or whether it's at home with somebody or whether it's you know that unsupportive spouse or whatever that looks like
0: well, if I had to do it over again, I mm-hmm. would have found a way to get out of the situation as a child it's difficult right. I was you know these are these are high school to college years, and I remember uh you're actually bringing me back to that time where I remember I got accepted um to this is how i hadn't thought about this in years. I, I got accepted to the University of hawaii wow. that 's how that 's how far away that I wanted to go yeah and I remember my mom hysterical crying that I was going to leave and go mm-hmm. to hawaii and i didn't i didn 't leave and I chose to go to queen's college uh, where i 'm from and as a result of that i Stayed in the situation for way longer than I wanted to stay in that situation. So the the advice that I would give people, certainly if you're an adult, is just get out of the situation as quickly as you can. Come up with an escape plan. You know, in my situation, it was abusive, like really bad. Like I was, it was physically abusive. Mm. It was verbally. The environment was bad. Um, so i if I had to do it over again, I would have left earlier and done something like go to Hawaii, go to school just to get out of the situation. so if anybody's in a situation like that, connect with some people that can help you to get out of the situation
1: mm. does that uh, being obviously having uh, you know being raised in that abusive situation do, do you have the tools now that you really use to dig in from past trauma does it still affect you is there a lot of residual effect or do you feel like you have like processed it and used um used the tools when it comes up or what does that look like for you now
0: well you know it's interesting i focus so much on a lot of the tony techniques that i've learned one of which was modeling right and um, our mutual friend uh, Darren, who's the first interview on my podcast, Darren White, mm-hmm. um, it's a great interview and he's a great guy. You know, said something to me and it really stuck out. It was much later in my life, and he said, "You know, you're so good at modeling, but somewhere along the line, I think you lost you." Mm. And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, oh, you have a gift that's and you have to figure out how to tap into that gift and stop looking at how everybody else is using their gift." And I. I looked back and I was like, well, why am I doing that? Like, where did that come from? And where it came from was all I wanted to do was to just get out of the situation. So I was like, okay, well, tell me what success looks like. Mm -hmm. What is this successful person doing? I'm going to duplicate it. And while that works in reproducing a result, the negative side is that you lose the magic that you have inside of you in deference to the person that you're trying to model. Mm. So in some ways it served me, in other ways it was, um, it it didn't.
1: Mm. You know what, this brings me back to our conversation that we had at your mastermind when we were eating at that amazing uh, Italian restaurant um yep. and we were just kind of talking about how you are how you you do ask a lot you ask a lot of other people for their opinions and do you like this do you like how this looks or how this would process and when I say looks I don't mean how you look but maybe we could get into that too i'm just kidding but <laughs> um but really always asking like is this is this something that you would like and so often when i when i talk to you i'm like oh my god you are so wise why don't you just go with what you want to go with so mm-hmm. does that still come up for you a lot now
0: Lori? It's, it's it is a giant struggle and i have um i have you in my ear when when i talked about doing this mastermind where you said look we're paying you because we don't know we're yeah. paying you for your judgment for your ideas for you to trust your gut so trust it. And mm. it is, it is one of the biggest struggles I have. So it does not come naturally for me to just say, this is what it is. Let's do it. I have to battle that inside of me because I was not raised around an environment that supported my thinking. Mm. So, you know, I, I, one of the, you know, getting back to, you know, having a four year old now, it's, you realize these little things matter. Like, you know, being able to like now I'll look at Sophie and I'll go, Well, what do you think? Mm. And I want to hear her answer for what she thinks instead of telling her what I think. So, so I I'm a work in progress. God's not done with me yet.
1: Mm, aren't we all? Um, when do you think the first time you you really remember trusting your gut on something that was big that you're like, oh God?
0: I think this mastermind. Yeah. I think this mastermind, if I'm really being honest with you, I think the the this mastermind um, was very, very well thought out in in this area. And just sitting down and I close my eyes, I visualize day one mm. and I say, no, yes, no, yes. And I just go truly with what I think works best. And um, I still want to second guess myself, but mm. I'm forcing myself to trust.
1: Mm. I just had a vision of you like being a like um like a maestro, like an orchestrator of experience and just like pulling all these things and seeing how the day is gonna go. So you guys, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, first of all, you do these incredible masterminds where you get people together, um, work hard, play hard, where it's people who are doing big things in the world, people who are maybe entrepreneurs who run big companies, whatever that looks like, who don't have enough play um, in their life because, or, or recharging. And something that I love that you do in our lives is that you always stop us and make us really look at, are we really enjoying? Are we really doing the things that we love while we might be building companies or you know, reaching our business goals or monetary goals or whatever that looks like? Are we enjoying life in the process? And I think that that is being... It's, it's so lost right now. And people don't even know what it looks like to add it back in so that's something that we uh, Chris and I are doing with Rob and his wife is we're going on these amazing adventures and it kind of started out it wasn't a mastermind it was just like we would book trips with you where we would always be looking at what you guys were doing so first of all I want to talk about you were in how did you Let's rewind before you did this mastermind thing. So now you know what he does and his brilliance. But I want to talk about how you got there because you start, started in, you went to school for chiropractics.
0: Yep. I went okay, to school for Tell me about
1: that a little bit. <coughs> Why, well,
0: uh...
1: how, where,
0: You know, I am super embarrassed to tell you. I wish I had this unbelievable story about how, you know, Zeus came down and anointed me with, you know, wanting to be a healer. And that wasn't the case. Yeah. I was, I was logically trying to figure out when I was in undergraduate school, what would be a good career for me? Mm -hmm. My brother who was in law school said, you should be a chiropractor. I flew down to Atlanta and checked out the school and learned about what it was. And I said, okay. I'll be a chiropractor. And I think I a lot of
1: people do that.
0: I literally did yeah. that. And and 25 years later, I just retired this year. So I mean that's the that's the short version of me doing it. The you know, the drilled down version is after probably the first 15 of those years, if one more person said their neck or back hurts, I was gonna shoot myself in the eye, I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> and I had to spend uh, 10 years finding a way. To get out of it, and I balanced—I I, I very unsuccessfully tried to balance work and play, and it wasn't easy. It was like if I worked, I was—I was gaining weight, I was getting s- stressed out, I was unhappy in mm-hmm. my my relationships. All I was doing was working, but I was making money. Mm-hmm. And if I did the opposite, where I was like taking extended periods of time and spraying champagne in Saint Tropez, I was watching my business go down. Mm. And it was like trying to find this balance between working and playing was just not easy for me. Um, and during these last probably five or ten years, I started to figure out what it was that I needed. Um, and part of that was to get out of a profession that was no longer serving me, that was no longer lighting me up. And you know, it was a cushy. It was a cushy profession. It was like seventy-two degrees, right? I was making mm-hmm. money. Yeah, it, it wasn't too good. Um, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. And but, I knew that if i didn 't leave it, I was not going to be able to do the next chapter of my life, and you hit a point I think when you start hitting your fifties where you realize that you know you, you kind of can 't double your life. I used to be able to say my life is you know I could double it you know right. like when i 'm like when i 'm forty i 'll be eighty i can 't double it anymore mm. you know or or pretty close to not being able to and so you start really looking at you know, Jeff jesse uh, itzler said uh, you know, when you do the math, if you live to 78, 79 years old and you're, you know, 50, you got roughly 20 something summers left, right? 28 summers left. And that's it. Mm. That's all you got. And I was like, oh, how do I want to spend these summers? And so that led to me just saying, um, I'm leaving, and I'm going to find a way to step out of this and step into what I want. And so, I spent the better part of last year talking about this with uh, with your husband Chris and you, and my wife Kim, and a lot of other good friends. And uh, we created a plan, and we executed, and uh, and now here we are. And now I'm a hundred days post that decision this week. Mm.
1: So my that is so exciting and congratulations. Like Thank you. I can't believe we're here already because I remember the beginning of this conversation like on a street corner um yep. watching Nick in the marathon, right? Um That's so exactly. random. So yep. beautifully random. Um but this is so something about Rob and I you guys this uh, literate 4 hours would not be enough cuz I could go on like I can see a million different ways I could go right now with <laughs> my questions, but number one, I want to ask. I think it's so funny how like you're doing something to help get people in alignment, and you feel so out of alignment. And also, just like I, I want to know, out of all of the people that you saw, like being in chiropractics, were you able to ever step back and be like? this is not the problem or what you're doing is not the problem. Did you ever like looking at what you do now, do you think the problem was them not either being in alignment with their truth or their life or following what they want? Or did you see problems like that, that obviously were so much not related to their body necessarily. You know
0: what oh, I'm saying? Oh, you're talking, you're talking about from the patient's perspective? Yes, the patient's perspective. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was the hardest part of the yeah. whole thing. Because yes, they came to me for chiropractic care, but there were so many other things going on. I mean, when you're dealing with somebody that's 200 pounds overweight, or you're mm-hmm. dealing with somebody that's not exercising or not meditating, there's a million different ways. But, you know compliance is the hardest part of what anybody does. You know, mm-hmm. when somebody buys your program, you know that you're you've got the greatest thing in the world. But if they don't do it, they're not going to get the results or they come to the mm-hmm. bliss habit. If they don't do it, they don't take so it's the same thing with a chiropractor. And so you really do start to turn a blind eye to it and you say, look, they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to follow the recommendations. So give them what they want. They're paying you to help them get out of pain and you can have a conversation with them. But I would say 1 out of 50 will actually will actually do what you suggest. And that and you and that is a very good question and that was absolutely one of the frustrations.
1: Mm. So, do you feel it's so interesting because I kind of feel like you are a a healer in what you're doing now because you really are trying to align people's life. Like, do you believe that if people are happy and they're recharging that it's going to massively affect You know, their health, their business, and their relationships. Like, why did you want to do this mastermind?
0: You know, when you laugh at it, like I love to laugh with you, you just make me laugh. And when we laugh at a deep level where there's like snot coming out of your nose, Mm -hmm. you know how you can't like describe that feeling? Yeah. That's what this feels like for me. Mm -hmm. It feels so deep and so fulfilling. And I don't know, man. It's like you know the Italians. I spent a lot of time in Italy. The Italians have la dolce vita, right? They call mm. it the sweet life. The French have joie de vivre, you know, the same version of that. But in the U.S., we have happy hour. <laughs> you know
1: what? You know what I mean? Can we name it something different so it sounds at least cooler?
0: You know what I mean? Like yeah. we just we just don't have that, and I don't know. It, I just I've realized that. Inspired ideas come from inspired surroundings, and mm. every time i 'm in some inspired surrounding like if we 're together in Greece or you know or somewhere cool it's just that 's where the ideas come mm. from that 's where the connection that 's where the fun comes from so I just really connect to that and so yeah, that does feel like a healing for me
1: mm. okay, so uh, random, but I love learning stuff like this, and I just want to hear your perspective so i want to I want to take a, a tiny quick tour with you of places that you've been. So I know that we have been to Greece together a couple times and I love it. And I love going there with you. But what have you learned from uh, the Greek culture? Like what's something every time you go that you just drop into something and you're like, this is why I love it here.
0: I would say that they've learned how to embrace their environment in a deep way. For example they're just as enamored with the beauty of the sun setting over the ocean, having a glass of uzo, a glass of wine. They believe deeply in the spiritual power of their lands mm. and they use that as a way to recharge. And I can, I can just look at them and when I go out to dinner with them, when I see them at, at dinner, um, when I connect with them, I can see... That they are when they're at the beach, they are truly enjoying the moment of that sunshine and you know that sand in their feet and mm. their friends that are around them, and they have no place to be. You know, I, I can sit there and watch them playing you know backgammon on the beach all day long, very very happily, mm. and they're not worried about making more money. There's a time for that, and it's going to happen. But they've figured out how to truly embrace their environments. Mm. And that's that's not so easy to do, I think, as an American.
1: Mm. I love that you said that because truly, that's how I... When I'm there, I am so present. I think... And I I believe it's because I'm dropping into where they're all at.
0: Yeah. I mean, our best ideas never come from... You know, if you look at the opposite, our best ideas never come from sitting in front of a computer or an iPhone. They come when we're inspired by Mm -hmm. all of the things that are around us. And that's why I think it's so important to have your surroundings support you. And, Mm. you know, I get different things from different, different places. You know, if you want to use a different example, Italy, I get a lot of uh, things from that are different. Like they embrace family and Mm. food. And fashion. You know, I can see a 90 year old woman walking down the cobblestone streets with and have with a little with red lipstick and heels and her shopping cart and go, that woman's hot. Mm -hmm. You know, she has embraced her beauty and she cares. Like Mm -hmm. she cares. You know, when she puts that neckerchief on, it's that knot is exactly where she wants it to be. Mm -hmm. And so, those kinds of things I think we weave together to become the tapestry of our lives. And that's, that's what I love about, you know, the experiences in, in different places, in different ways, you know, Mm -hmm. like we're getting ready. I'll use one more example. We're getting ready to go to, uh, to Monaco. That's a different kind of feel. I mean, these are people that are billionaires. Like Mm -hmm. there are more, there are more millionaires in, in the country of Monaco than, than any place in the world. And so You know, being around an environment of what they do at that level, we're talking Mm -hmm. about hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, and watching how they behave and it not being a whole lot different in terms of what we can strive to by just being around that. They're they're enjoying the same restaurant. They're enjoying the same sunshine, the same bottle of you know maybe maybe it's a little more expensive bottle of wine, but they're enjoying it in the same way. And it you know you look at it and go, I don't need a half a billion dollars to be able to enjoy it in the same way that they do. So each of these experiences offer different things. Mm.
1: Is there any other place that has really rocked your world that you've been where you took something back that's really shifted the way that you live?
0: Well. I, I, here's what I will say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The, the place that I am most fearful to go to that I know is going to do this is India. Mm,
1: I've heard that from so many people and I I feel the same way as you.
0: I'm terrified. Yeah. I, I, I have I have two, I have two three or four friends. Two of them have gone, got on the plane and flew back and went home and said, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't do this. And two of them said, I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. Okay, they, so they,
1: talk to those re- two.
0: Yeah, it rearranges. They say India rearrange rearranges your mental furniture in a way that no other place can. So, um, Mm. but that would be the that that's that's the gut answer I have on that one.
1: What do you feel like in your life right now could use a little rearranging?
0: Um, Trust and belief Mm. that uh, the place that I'm in right now is the place that I'm supposed to be, and like I'll I'll give you a great example. The mastermind's full. I can't, I can't, I can't take another person in it at this moment, right? Mm-hmm. It has to be a waiting list for next year, and I am still having anxiety about it and wanting to push it harder. And I'm going, wait, hold on a second. I mm-hmm. set a goal to create twenty, to create experiences for twenty people, take them around the world. Why is this giving you anxiety? Because it's mm-hmm. full. Enjoy it, mm-hmm. enjoy this process, and make it amazing. Mm. But there's this side of me that wants to just keep going and say, okay, well, what's next and what's next and what's next. And so the struggle for me is being able to just enjoy right where I am right now. That's number one. And number two is my wife is putting me outside of my box. And in uh, 60 days, we are going to spend four months living in Europe and Mm -hmm. uh, traveling around from one country to the other. And uh I'm a certainty guy, man. I need my hair products. I need, you know, <laughs> I need I need I need to know that this desk and this cup is gonna be right here. And that, you know, I got, you know, like I got systems, mm-hmm. Lori. Yeah, I got rituals. You know what I mean? Like don't met like my coffee goes off at six fifty-nine and mm-hmm. they're, like I got my stuff, and this is all gonna change because we are Traveling to Monaco, Mykonos, Montenegro, Dubrovnik, Rome, Lecce, Florence, and ending in Lake Como. <laughs> that's a lot.
1: So where do you think that's coming from? Like is that a safety thing from your childhood of like not ever I mean so, this is me just randomly spouting off, but like maybe not ever feeling safe or that, you know, you're always where, where do you think if you could really pinpoint like why the need for such certainty outside of obviously it's a human need, but. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, yes, it is a human need, but you know, like like all of those human needs, right? There's a flip side to it, which is which is uncertainty, right? Mm -hmm. You got to have as much uncertainty as certainty, right? Like Tony uses the example of getting a present. Like you don't want to know what's in the present. You want to be like, what is in the present, right? right? The the uncertainty side of it. But I know where it comes from because I've Mm -hmm. spent a lot of years trying to figure it out. Um, It comes from being raised in chaos. Mm. And when you're around massive uncertainty, all I wanna do is come home and straighten out my desk. I wanna make sure that there's nothing on my desk and that everything is in order and that everything is predictable. Because when you're around an environment that is unpredictable, unpredictability and uncertainty to me is terror. When I was sitting home, my dad was a truck driver and he'd get home from work around four o'clock and um, if you could think like Donnie Brasco, um, like Brooklyn, like that kind of vibe, he'd get, he was a, he was a, an oil truck driver. Mm. He'd come home and he'd go into the bar and he would drink from three o'clock in the afternoon until about five o'clock in the afternoon. And I never knew when he came home, how drunk he would be and how much abuse I would get. Mm. And so I lived in absolute uncertainty. So now I strive I want the predictability and the certainty, but like I use in the earlier example, it's no longer serving me and I need to be able to know I'm safe. I'm going to be in a very nice Airbnb in Rome. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to have a glass of champagne and it's going to be awesome. And I have to be willing to be open Mm. to the surprises that are going to come in my day as I walk through the streets of Rome.
1: Mm. I it's so crazy cuz I'm I I'm the same way to an extent for sure. Um and looking back throughout my life and also just through all the different stories that you tell and who who you are in your life like a lot of that is because of the uncertain times obviously cuz we don't really have these great stories like yeah I you know was at home and I did my rituals and had a normal day again like it's it's from all of the different things that you um, encounter, especially on travels, like leaving room for the magic. So this is something that has been such a huge theme for me. Cause I, you know, my events are like different speaking engagements and things like that. I always want to over-prepare. And it's funny because I, you know, I coach with Christine Hassler and um when I I typically use my coaching appointments for her before big things that I want to feel certain about. And I want to over-prepare. I want to know exactly what's happening. And she's like, you got to leave room for the magic like you can't you can't plan everything because if you do you're not actually leaving space and i think about this even with like my events and you know your mastermind and so many different things like if we don't actually leave blank space i think of that at bliss too like i leave space where i'm like i actually don't know what's going to happen here now? And it's been quite crazy because the coolest things happen. Like this last Bliss Project, I made up a exercise in the middle of the event that I didn't even know if it was going to work and it was magical. But if I would have planned to death, it wouldn't have been what it was. And it's like, every time I do that, I'm totally shocked. So is there something in your life that you are going to like commit? Because it's a commitment. It's like a commitment to leave space for the uncertainty which maybe we need to switch that word to magic. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a, it's such a great point. There's there's so much of a struggle that's that's around doing that that I think we take it in baby steps. I remember um, I was on stage with um, David. What is the guy in our network marketing David Wood. Uh, company? David Wood. I was on mm-hmm. stage with him. And um, he wanted us... He wanted Kim and I to speak. And I was like, what are we going to do? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like... Dave, there's five thousand people in this room. He said, yeah. we'll, just, "We'll just, see how it goes." I'm like, I, you don't understand. I, no, there's no seeing how anything is going. I'm yep. meeting three hours before we go on stage. There's gonna be a whiteboard and bullets and like, <laughs> like he's like, "No, that's not, that's not how I work." And so, you know, I walked on stage in a pile of sweat, mm-hmm. and it wound up being the best time I've ever had. There's a freedom in it. And that ma- I still get people that say, Hey, I saw show- I saw you on stage at that time, it changed my life. There is a magic in it. And I think it's like anything else. Mm-hmm. It's a muscle we have to we you know, we have to develop and it's a skill that we have to work. And and some things come natural to me, but that's that's not one of them. But I am um because now I have a lot more time in my life than I had mm-hmm. when I was uh you know, working full time. So I have the ability and the bandwidth to be able to allow things to unfold. Um In a much more organic way.
1: Okay, that's so. This is so interesting because once I have one experience that I can anchor to like that, I'm able to trust it more. So you were talking about how you want to have faith and trust like just more of like the flow or whatever that looks like. Like that's a huge anchor to remember. Oh my God, that was one of the bet like that rocked people's worlds. Like when you were able to just free flow, like going back to that constant anchor. I hear about people doing this all the time, like um, trusting your track record. Like if it happened once, you can trust that it can happen again. And that's kind of what I do at Bliss Project. Like, oh, I did that once and it was magical. I'm going to trust that that's going to happen again. Because one thing that I've learned is it's not a fluke. Like it's a thing. It's, It's as much of a thing to trust in yourself and in what you have experienced once as in trusting yourself, that it will happen again. And I think that sometimes with trust and faith, when things happen magically like that, like what happened with on stage with David Wood, we're like, oh, well, that was a one-off or, oh, that was a magical moment when no, that's like, that was something that happens when you trust in yourself,
0: yeah, I mean you're you're 100 right, and I think you're. That's a. I, I'm gonna I'm actually gonna take that and use that as an anchor. That's a that was a great anchor for me. And I think there's the other side of it is that I feel like if we're over preparing for something that we're going to deliver at a higher level, and that's a belief that's not necessarily true, because sometimes when you over prepare for something, you're coming from such a prepared place that that Inorganicness, the magic gets lost in that because it's almost, I don't want to use the word rehearse, but you know what I mean. It's Mm -hmm. just a little, it's just a little bit too rigid and you're not allowing any magic to happen Mm -hmm. at all. So, you know, trusting that process is definitely some work I have to do.
1: Oh my God. I think this is a, I'm loving this conversation because I need to trust myself more. Because I really, that's where all the magic for me happens. But it's like, I, we wanna know beforehand, like, okay, is it gonna be magical?
0: (laughs) Is this
1: gonna be? Literally, it's literally everyone. That's why I'm loving having this conversation with you, having it with someone who always appears very confident in themselves that I wanna show, like, even the most confident person is having these, like, thoughts in their head.
0: Laurie, I want to know that the magic is going to happen at 8.15. That's yeah. when it's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like I want a schedule. I want a magic schedule. This is the itinerary. You're going, to, you're, going to, you're going on stage. Magic is going to happen at 8.17. It's going to be amazing.
1: You want to plan the colors in the sunset while we're in Greece. Like you want to make sure that somebody's holding up a light reflector to the clouds and you're like, do you see that hue of orange you can only get in Greece?
0: You're going you're to gonna It matches laugh. your drink. If if our mutual... That's really funny. Our mutual <laughs> friends, Darren and Tony, um, laugh at me because before I take trips with them, I call and they Kim actually called me out on this. And, and it's pretty funny because this happened in the hotel. So I call before we take a trip and I ask this question. The question I ask is, is anybody at the pool? And... The reason why I asked that question is because I want to be able to have a sense for what the weather is if I mean if it's going to be during the summer I know people are going to be at the pool but sometimes if it's like shoulder season or whatever I won't I can't look at the the temperature and know what the temperature is going to be mm-hmm. so the only way I can get the certainty to make sure that the experience I'm going to create is going to be perfect is to call up and say you know can you check out uh, are there people at the pool So this has been a running joke in our house, you know, like before we take a trip, you are not calling if anybody's at the pool. And this came from when we got to, I think it was Rio de Janeiro, the uh, the concierge said, Well, we were all getting ready to leave, he was asking us. He said, They said, Oh, I'm sorry, I bet he drove you crazy. He said, You know, he called me twice to ask me if people were at the pool. And they looked at me and they're like what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I just want it to be amazing.
1: <laughs> hey, so now you just... Okay, so now everybody knows what to ask when they're traveling. Excuse me. Um, could you, is, anybody <laughs> is anybody there right now? Um, Okay, so I want to go back to pivots. So... Because I know I, we got to be with you through that period of going from having a chiropractic office, like having this be the th- only thing that you have really known your yep. whole life, being the provider, like having that and and knowing what that means to you, and knowing what certainty means to you, and knowing what having you know two daughters and a a young daughter right now, and like just really wanting to feel like the provider and like someone who knows where they're going and wants to know what the future looks like. And and I know that you talk a lot about, you know, where you're at in your life right now, being in your fifties. Like you look you're looking at life differently. And you decided to do a giant pivot. And I know we talked. We touched on a bit about you were like, okay, well, I'm no longer at this point where you're just realizing that there's not a lot of or a ton of time left to do what you want. Um, And there is Rob. I made that sound really morbid.
0: (laughs) No, he's going. He's going. I feel like Fred Sanford. I I feel
1: like you've got a good year left. You're fine.
0: (laughs) Hopefully, I have ten thousand miles.
1: You've got a lot of. I feel like you're going to be in your hundreds. It's going to be great. so, what was that like? What uh, there are people right now who are in their twenties who are afraid to pivot in their thirties, in their forties, in their fifties, in their sixties. What do you tell them? How did you know you had to? And how did you support yourself around pivoting?
0: God, this is such a great question because there's not an easy answer. I mean, no. there, the 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 shortest answer that I can give you is there there were a couple of key components. One of them is having a tribe of people that said, you can do this and you should not be in an environment that's no longer serving you. And if you want to get out of this environment, let's work on a plan together to help you to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And um, you and your husband were key in helping us do that. From an economic standpoint... I knew that this was coming um, over you know, a couple of years, Like, let's call it two to three years. And um, I talked to you guys about network marketing, which I didn't want to do for every reason why nobody wants to do network marketing. Um, and I decided that I was going to swallow my pride and I was going to get over the ego that I had around it and I was going to learn it. Mm. And so Kim and I went all in. And so we were able to create um, a baseline income to be able to support it It wasn't enough. It didn't replace my chiropractic income, but it came pretty damn close. And then there was faith. I had to trust that what I wanted to do was going to be great because it was something I was passionate about and it seemed like there was interest from other people. And I had to trust that this was going to happen, which was the masterminds. And the last piece of it was creating a deadline and say, I'm not doing this another year. I'm not telling this story about how I'm moving to California, how I'm leaving chiropractic another minute. I am setting a deadline where I'm not allowed to go back in December 31st. We set the deadline for December 31st. I've not been back in the office since December 31st. Um, I truly meant it. And there have been some bumps along the way. It hasn't been easy all of a sudden when you used to, you know, money coming in every single day when you have a 25-year a practice and it mm-hmm. just disappears, you know, so, you know, it was the prep work before it and it was the prep work. It, it was the, I don't know what the word is, the post-traumatic stress after it mm-hmm. of being able to deal with both knowing that this was the right decision to
1: make. Mm, okay. So, I really hope that people caught on that you did something that you didn't want to do, meaning network marketing for a while, knowing that you are supporting a bigger vision. Um, and you probably reframed many times to like, not I don't want to say just get through it but to make that you know something that was a good thing during that time and I think that that is vital to hear there's so many different ways to get to your end goal but so often through, I, through this is so much like my journey like so often through my journey I had to stay longer than I wanted um or I had to do things that I did not want to do because I needed like Money. I needed to support myself. I think a lot of people want to skip that gestation period or that period of building that um, foundation underneath them, so that they can go and do that thing that they want to do. Um, so I really love hearing like you did the thing you didn't want to do for a while. Uh, in you know, order,
0: your, go ahead. Your, your husband really helped me with this because yeah. it was you know everybody's in different places, and as a guy, you know when I see all the people around me who are successful Mm -hmm. and they're doing they're you know they're buying the car that I want to be driving they're buying the house that I really want to be in and knowing that I am not in a place today to do those things because I made a decision that I need to set myself up for something bigger. And I like we had to sit down. Like my wife took the Amazon password away from me. She's like, Mm. you you don't get to buy Amazon anymore. It's over. And, you know, it was like, I was spending like $1,000 a month on Amazon, just Mm -hmm. like for whatever. And I was like, okay, buy it. And making those decisions were uh, difficult for my ego. And um, I bitched about them a bit, but I knew that there was a higher purpose. And I remember you said something to me when I was talking about California, I was looking, I was like, oh my God, Laura, you don't know. I got this great place in Atlanta. I can live like a king. You're like, okay, well, Southern California is not Atlanta. And um, you're not going to move to California in the way that you want to move, but this is what you want to do. And all we got to do is to just get you here. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, right now, because we're moving uh, to LA in a few months, you know, after we do this Europe trip, we're moving to LA. And I'm looking at places that, are in, you know, my budget where I am now. I'm like, "Oh my god, this is not this is not going to be that she's right. This is not going to be the way I want to do it." So, battling, you know, battling that part of my brain going, "Okay, well, you know, I'm keeping my paid off car, but I really I can afford a better one, but I'm mm-hmm. keeping my paid off car because I have to move to LA." I- move to LA and I'm going to be in a place in LA that that really is not the way I want to be living. And so making these sacrifices to do the things that I want to be doing, I probably 10 years ago would not have been willing to do. My ego would not handle it. Mm. It's just like I needed to show you I had a Porsche. Mm. But today I feel differently because I I think most people prioritize things that make them money over things that make them happy. Mm -hmm. And now I'm prioritizing things that are making me happy. And being in 70 degrees sunny at the beach is going to make me happy.
1: Oh, I love hearing that because happiness um, is the, it's like fertile ground for ideas, like true soul, like, you know, like, Soul rooted ideas when you're happy. Like it's, it's things that you want to follow. And I believe that money follows amazing ideas that are aligned with your soul. So. We can get a million other ideas that could make money, but are they truly in line with like your happiness? And did they come during times when you are already happy and already inspired? And I think something about moving to California for us, like we did not move here in the way that we wanted at all. Um, you know, we like looking at Midwest prices compared to here, they're what 10, 20 times higher? <laughs> like it's, just mind blowing. Like, like I thought it yeah. was a joke. I was like, no, this is a really funny joke. But once we got here, and and I know that you know this, you now get so surrounded by a different way of thinking. And you cannot, I don't care what people say, like you cannot tap into those type of ideas and start viewing yourself in a different way until you are surrounded by it, which is exactly like when you were talking, I I think of like all the times I've either joined masterminds where I'm like, well, I'm not quite the person that I would like to be joining this mastermind, but that's why I'm joining it. Like, I don't get to show up and go introduce myself as X, Y, and Z and be the top person in the mastermind, but that's why I'm joining it. And I can't change unless I'm here. So it's so much about, we know this, like, it's so much your environment. You seek out environments in order to change who you are. Like... Fundamentally,
0: yeah, the environment changes you. Yeah, just by putting yourself in the environment, it changes you. Which is, which is, by the way, the reason why I do every hundred days or so, I'm taking a trip somewhere because I want to force the environment to change me Mm -hmm. to get me out of my day to day.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's exactly, honestly, circling back, like this is exactly what your mastermind is. Like you are doing in your life now what you do for other people. like I love that you are living exactly what you um, are teaching, like what you want people to experience.
0: I'm super grateful. And and I'll tell you another thing that you gave me, which is sometimes I have to wake up in the morning and I have to say, I'm grateful for this cup of coffee. I'm grateful for this like a hundred times to override Mm. the fear and the anxiety and the stress because it's still here. I mean, it's crazy. What like our, our brain, right? It's what does crazy. it
1: say when it's here? Like, what does it say to you?
0: Well, I would say you're, you're not playing big enough.
1: Mm. Where does that come from?
0: <clears throat> Where does that come from? I don't have an answer for you right now. I'll have to. We'll have to do the second podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but I haven't. It's that is the thing that keeps popping up that you're not mm-hmm. playing. That that I need to be playing bigger. And you know, I, okay, I'll tell you where I think it comes from. Because I put myself in an environment of people that are so successful, I can't help but compare myself to their level of success. And as a guy that often comes down to money. Mm. Mm-hmm. With women, sometimes it's around age and beauty and mm-hmm. how you look and things like that. Not always, but sometimes. But for me, it's, it's being around people that are super successful and feeling inadequate mm-hmm. and like I'm not successful enough. And that's mm-hmm. definitely something I battle with.
1: mm I so get that. I mean, we battle with that, and now especially uh, you want to you want to feel crazy. You'll feel it when you're here, but at the in, in the best way. When all of a sudden now you don't just have to compare yourself to people like in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. You compare them to like the 18 year old who has this like insane company, and you're like, I want to learn from you. So yeah. it's yeah.
0: It's, it's definitely, it's definitely a weird place. So, you know, you know, look like, like we said, I, I'm a work in progress and trying to, you know, figure that, figure all this stuff out.
1: Hmm. So how are you letting go of that? Like, how do you, I know that you said that you get, you know, you try to like get grateful by saying, I'm so grateful for what's going on right now or my family or this cup of coffee, but how do you um, get back to like the neutral point where you feel more powerful throughout your day or, or maybe, yeah.
0: By uh, by contrast, I look at how how awful things really could be. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy, but I you know when you live long enough, you've been through enough um, situations and stories to know how things can be. So th- the first thing I do is I look at contrast. Second thing I do is I look at gratitude, and then the third thing is I ask myself what's really going on here. And sometimes what's really going on is not what I think it is, and my brain is. Overloaded, and so I will just go through. I uh, probably five days a week I don't miss journaling uh, three pages every morning, and just getting all of the crazy out of my head. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, usually around page two or three, I can identify, um, you know, what's really going on. So I, I, I guess the answer is I lean into it. So if mm-hmm. I'm if I'm feeling insecure that you know, somebody just bought a new Ferrari and why not me? Mm. I will sit down and journal and say, okay, Rob, he got a Ferrari. You didn't. Now, what does that mean? Mm. And so I'll just start going, going, going until I come up with something that that resonates with me mm. and that will take the monster and make it small.
1: So if you did get all of those things and you did get the Ferrari and you were still journaling, what does that mean?
0: Well, in my mind, that would, that would think that everybody thinks I'm amazing, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm cool and sexy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. The story that, you know, we all have in our head Mm -hmm. about how we want to have ourselves look to the world, to the Mm -hmm. outside world, you Mm -hmm. know? So um, the the short answer to that is nothing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that funny? I'm like, and I wouldn't even know. I'd be yeah, like, no, oh, did
0: nothing. you get a new car? <laughs> no, nothing.
1: Are you, this is, okay. So it's always so interesting to me because I look at my motivations throughout life um, and I'm I'm kind of trying to figure out what my motivations are right now. Like you can get back to a comfortable place in your life where you're enjoying life and you're like, huh. Um, and then getting comfortable with not, like like being okay with where you're at, like letting it be okay that you're okay with where you're at. So I want to know, are you more motivated by pain or by pleasure
0: pleasure mm. pain is horrible to me i hate pain i am a ple- i am a pleasure guy um some people just are super motivated by that like you know if i feel like i am i'm going back to that queen's apartments, yeah i start sweating yes it motivates me but not in a good way it, uh. depress- it depresses it yes it gives me fire to want to get out of it but not in a good way i am i am much more motivated to get an amazing to take an amazing trip or have an uh, you know buy an amazing piece of art that i've always wanted to buy or have an amazing experience because when i have that experience i want more of it and so yeah. that being in that environment excites me. I want to be in a beautiful place with beautiful things. Those because I just want more of it. Not from a, a purely materialistic standpoint, but I feel like I'm getting the full expression of of life when I'm in, you know, when I'm in those um, environments, if that makes sense.
1: So when you no, that makes total sense. So I was going to say, but wouldn't that at first I was thinking wouldn't that make you more inspired by pain by not wanting to go back to it but technically you're using the vision of where you want to go at all times for motivating yourself.
0: That's exactly right. Okay. That's exactly right. I want to I want to be able to be closer the the closer I it's kind of like when you're feeling a little fat or heavy <laughs> yep. you know and you're like I just want to lose some weight and then you start losing weight and you look in the mirror and you're like oh Oh my God, it's starting to happen. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually starting to drop a couple of pounds here. That motivates me. When I look in the mirror and I see a belly, I'm like, okay, let's get the you know, <laughs> because, because it's all gone for shit anyway.
1: <laughs> oh, so this is, it's crazy. Because you know what? I was just thinking how really crazy our journey has been. How long have we known each other? Like 10 years?
0: Somebody asked me about that the other day. I think it's longer than that. Um, I think it's oh it has to be longer than that because Kim and Ma- Kim and I have been married for um uh, eleven years so it's yeah probably and we dated for two years I think we met when I, it's got to be like 13 years somewhere oh in there. oh
1: my god I so we go way back to like fitness competition days and you know I used to just think that you it, it's so funny the like perceptions of people I was like I just like and you still are but I would put you on a pedestal I'm like he's so smart oh my god that's intimidating he's got his fitness all on point like I I like Kathy loved you. So I think I was just like, who is this person? Like, Where were you mentally 10 or 13 years ago when we were meeting and you were doing fitness competitions?
0: Well, funny that you asked that, Laurie Harder. That (laughs) time in my life was a very dark time. Mm. Um, Two years prior to, let's say, the first fitness competition that we met at... Two years prior to that, I was um, uh, I was married before. And um, the relationship that I was in ended really, really badly. In short, I took a Greek... Uh, I took a Greek. And no, she took a Greek. Sorry. <laughs> I took... Um, I took a. Sorry for laughing. Just I took because you know the punchline. I took. I took a trip to Greece. It was at a point in my life where I started making some money. I started feeling really good about myself, and I was like, "Let's rent a yacht. Let's go through the Greek islands." And we did. And, um, during that time, the first night on the boat, I started noticing that there was a little bit of a, an interesting, um, closeness between her and the captain of the boat. He was a, you know, like a 29 year old kid and, um, there was clearly chemistry that she had with him. I never saw anything like it. And, um, we went out to dinner and, uh, well, she said, Hey, you want to go, uh, you want to go out to dinner with the captain of the boat? And I was like, sure. It was our first night in port. Um, and they were, um, they were salsa dancing at the end of dinner. That was a little too close. And, but then I thought, you know, when in Rome, right, maybe this is how you salsa dance here. It was really, really close, but something felt weird. And I was like, let's go back, um, go back on the boat. I go into the state room kind of pissed. And I come back out and the two of them are making out on the couch. Mm. And um, one thing led to another. There was a lot of words, a lot of cursing, a lot of everything that you can imagine. But now here I am at sea. Um, on a yacht with my wife. Uh, the next morning, um, I slept in one stateroom. She slept in the other. And the next morning, she said, I don't know what to tell you, but if I did something like this, I must be in love with them. And I don't know what to do. And mm. I said, if you love them, then you know it was a crazy time. Obviously, mm-hmm. it was a long time ago in my life. Um, and if we fast forward that really crazy story, they got married, had two kids, and moved into the 10,000 square foot house that I built on the lake here in Georgia. And I was in the dark place after that. As you can imagine, I gained 40 pounds, felt miserable. And I knew that the only way out of that situation was exercise. So I went into a gym. I hired a trainer. That trainer left and he said, I got somebody I want you to meet. That person was my wife, Kim. And I fell in love with my personal trainer. Yes, I am the doctor that <laughs> f- fell in love with his trainer. Um, we dated for two years, and she and I talked about stretching and doing something different. And I decided to do a fitness competition, mm. and that fitness competition is where I met you.
1: Do you know? I didn't actually know that.
0: Yeah, like I didn't. I,
1: I knew about obviously the yacht and your wife and all of that. Um, which you guys, I've heard that story in lengthy detail a few times. And I still am just like, tell the story again, because I don't know how you got through (laughs) that. Like, I really don't know how you got through that. But you know, what's crazy is Chris and I were talking yesterday about how sometimes when people, I, I really believe when you have a calling and you want to pursue it like when you are someone who's taking action on pursuing really anything i think the universe will kind of move things around for you and sometimes it'll move things quickly so do you feel that way looking back like wow that was really something that you know moved things in a way that maybe i would not have moved things or do you or do you think that moving forward it would have been great if that didn't happen
0: You know, if you would have asked me that the year this happens, I could not give you the perspective that I can give you now, but that was the best thing that ever happened in my life. And it was, it was absolutely the universe knew that I would have never ended that relationship Mm -hmm. ever. I am the kind of guy that would have stayed in it, committed and miserable. Mm -hmm. I would have stayed in it, miserable and there's, we can talk for a million reasons why, but that's me. And I would have stayed in that. And the only way that that relationship was going to end was by something absolutely catastrophic and crazy like that. That's the only way it would have ended. And thank God it happened. But now I am willing to hear the whispers of the universe because I don't want to go through that again.
1: So how do you so that's kind of what you did. So you've been hearing the whispers and is that part of what motivated you to start what you're doing now? Because it, you guys, I don't think you quite, I think being with you on this journey of watching you and knowing who you are and watching you pivot and having it be So quickly, actually, having it be so successful. Was that a moment that you were like, okay, that is showing me that when I have trust and faith in myself and follow this thing, like you filled a mastermind that is not, this is not a typical thing. Like, this is not a normal thing for people to be like, yes, let's all travel with strangers together to exotic (laughs) places and like, let's trust Rob and connect. Like, that is clearly the universe saying, "Would you pl- like? What's it going to take for you to trust yourself?" So there's something you know, else for you're, your you're,
0: ammo. You're you're making me laugh because one of the conversations I had, it's uh, I'll tell you, I have to tell you off air, but it's with one of the one of the girls in the mastermind. Uh, one of the guys wanted to do it, and, yeah, and the guy said, "Can you talk to my wife?" And I talked to her, and she's got this, she's got this hesitation about it, and she says, "So, like, is this like an?" adult trip or like what are we going to be and i said oh, there's like adults and she's like so well and she's asked me i said can you just ask me what it is that you want to ask me? because i don't know what it is she goes is it like a swinger party and i was like <laughs> a swinger party where did you get that from she goes oh well i just i saw your video in greece and all these beautiful people and you're you're all on the beach and i was like no it's not a swinger party <laughs> anyway Every time it was, it was really funny, really, really funny. That
1: is really like maybe you need to either put that on your caption. No, you don't. I didn't. I don't. I don't think it comes across that way at all. But that is so hilarious. But that's the upgrade. That's the the upgraded package, right?
0: It's yeah. It's a VIP version. That's the VIP
1: add-on. Like (laughs) that's like oh you didn't pay for this one. Sorry.
0: Oh no, No. this is different. This is only (laughs) only for the special people. Yes. Yeah. Okay,
1: what are what are some things, Rob, that you um feel like you are truly like just a if you were really being honest and uh you know it was just you and Kim talking, like what is your zone of genius? What are you masterful at? What do you think you are on this earth for? Like, what is that thing that is so Rob that you love about yourself?
0: Um that I can help people understand that there are principles when it comes to balance, because I have been out of balance in mm-hmm. my life. If you drink too much wine, you get drunk and mm-hmm. it goes, it goes the other way. If you don't drink anything at all, it, sometimes you could be a little boring. Mm-hmm. You know, a glass, <laughs> a glass of champagne is not so bad sometimes and having the balance. In your life, in all of the areas of life, I think that I can offer proper perspective and I can help people with because I don't think people are fully embracing those areas of their life. And we are so much, you know, look, when I see you on, when I see your Insta stories and you're strumming a guitar and I'm watching you play uh, Lady Gaga, (laughs) I am so happy. I'm so happy Mm. because I know that you're stepping into something that's different. You're doing Mm. something that is challenging you and something that's different and something that lights you up and something that you've always wanted to do. And I know I'm going to get a better Lori. Mm. I'm going to get a better Lori podcast because you're doing it. So I think that I can recognize that.
1: Mm. Oh, I love that so much. And you know one of the reasons I just absolutely adore conversations with you and Kim is because there, you have endless exciting things to talk about because you're gathering experiences.
0: You're yes. gathering
1: with different people. You're gathering perspectives. And I think that one of the things that you can do um in life if you want to be more successful at business, because I, I really believe the people who are most successful at business and just in relationships in general is because they keep themselves interesting.
0: Yeah, I think so, and I think you have to take the time to do it. I think there's there's a willingness to do it. You know, I, here's what's interesting. I, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you, but like right before the mastermind, I had a couple of people reach out, and they're like, "Hey, I can't come. I got too much going on with work." I was mm. like, "Get your ass on a freaking plane, and you're coming." And then when I got to the mastermind, I got a couple of texts in the morning. Hey, look, I'm going to spend the morning in, and I'm not going to be able to do it because I got I want to work. I'm like, "Get your ass out and come with us." Mm. But when you, Sometimes entrepreneurs have to be grabbed by the neck and work. And here's the thing. They use it under the guise of, but I love what I do. Yep. Yes, I know you love what you do, but there's so much out there. There's wine and guitar and just there's so many things mm. that you are be doing than just doing one thing because you love it. Mm.
1: I have to tell you, like, and it's so it's so crazy because you'd never know what's going to be your next thing that interests you. Like, looking at, you know, the last mastermind that we did with you, um, which was in Boston, we did a let's see, we did a um, the Tom Brady, um, I almost said the Tom Brady experience, but we the Tom Brady,
0: the Tom Brady experience, (laughs) never a bad experience, guys. He was well, Um, he was part, he was part of the swingers party. It was amazing. It was awesome.
1: You guys join this mastermind, you can swing with Tom and Giselle. It's gonna be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. That's not included. Um, We go right to the top. (laughs) We went to his training facility and got to experience that, which was awesome. And I knew that would be great. But what was the highlight for me was when the author of the Leonardo da Vinci book came in and we got to hear his amazing wife sing opera. And we just had like this evening of writing poetry. And can I tell you that I have been learning Italian?
0: Uh, because of that. And I've been
1: reading Leonardo da Vinci's book and I am like immersed in the Italian culture right now, which I would have never... I Something just turned on in me that night that I was like, I'm obsessed and I need to know all about Leonardo da Vinci and I need to like learn Italian. So I literally can like semi-speak some Italian right now.
0: By the way, as a podcast host, it is, it is taking everything I have to not ask you a barrage of questions. I am try, <laughs> I am trying... So hard to be <laughs> a good interviewee, but okay. Just one question. Okay, what what are you doing? To, are you which 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 the Leonardo da Vinci book are you reading? Because there's a lot.
1: Um, oh, is crap. It Walter, it's his newest Wal, one.
0: Is it, is it Walter Isaacson?
1: I think so. Yes.
0: Is it like? Steve like,
1: Jobs. Uh, it's the same yeah, guy who wrote Steve Jobs. Yep, I am.
0: Walter mm-hmm. Isaacson. That's the, that's the best one that's out there. And um, how are you learning the Italian? Duolingo or... Pimsleur. Me too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Le capisce l'inglese. <laughs> Le capisce. Io capisco l'inglese. Io capisco.
1: Let's see. um see. Via... Uh, la via Veneto. Let's see. Ele. <laughs> I don't think I have it all right. But yes, I'm learning What? It.
0: What unit number are you on? I'm on unit number eight.
1: Yeah, I think I'm on six.
0: Okay. Yep. Listen, when we're in Italy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we have to do... We got to do like... We should set a goal to complete Pimsler. Yes. so That we can have... Here's our goal. We have to have a five-minute Italian conversation. Oh my
1: God. Okay.
0: Five minutes. We have to, we have to set a timer and we have to... That's going to be our standard. Okay. Five minutes in Italy where we're going to be able to have... Maybe we'll do it in front of the room. This will be fun.
1: I'm remembering now, Minjate is eat. Bere Bede is drink.
0: Bere. Bere.
1: Yep. <laughs> See, they're learning Italian too. Okay, clearly, you guys, we can talk all day. Um, so, Rob, I'm going to end it on a question. But first of all, I just want everyone to know where they can follow you. Where can they learn more about your mastermind, which is actually totally full right now? But uh, maybe I next am- year. <laughs>
0: I am on a waiting list now. Uh, we've got a few few people on it. Um, it is uh, work hard play hard dot com
1: Work hard, play hard masterminds. and it's truly um, traveling with you and your wife has truly been one of the highlights of my life, so I'm so grateful for everything that you bring into our lives always, Look. like always, so many beautiful things.
0: Lori, words can't express the feelings that I have for you. And uh, if your husband were here right now, I'd kiss him too. The two two of you guys um, are doing such amazing work out there in the world um, for everybody, but especially for my wife and I, we would not be where we are without you guys.
1: Oh my God, that means everything to us. And you know that. Yep. Um so anywhere else we can find you you have a podcast like one of one of the he's one of the greatest podcasters you guys so um listen to mine and his
0: <laughs> Thank you yeah Lori's one of the first ones I did um it is uh Work Hard Play Hard
1: Okay Work Hard Play Hard podcast All right yep. so I'm going to end on my last uh question and that is you are in an elevator with someone for like thirty seconds. It's a really fast ride, and it's a total stranger. And they look over at you and they ask you, "How can I make myself happy?" What do you say?
0: Trust that happiness is inside. Mm. That's so beautiful. Trust that happiness is inside, and stop looking for it outside mm. because it's, you're not going to find it. Mm. You're not going to find it. It's in. It's 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 inside. Us, and we don't. happiness is when we're not thinking about it. yeah, when we're, like I'm happy right now because I'm not thinking about anything, but I am just enjoying this time with you, and I'm really happy.
1: Mm. Thank you so much. And you guys, if you love this episode as much as I did, make sure you share it with your friends. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone.